So thank you all, thank you all. So I'm Fred Bates. I am the congregational elder here, for those that don't know me. I've had the honor and privilege to serve in that role for a little while since uh, Larry looked at me one day and said, uh, sat on my couch and said, it's your time, and uh, prayed over Beth and I, and uh, I've just had an honor to serve in that role. Um, There are times we're serving in that role, and this ties to my message, where it is not always easy. There are times we're serving as a congregational elder in a church like Living Waters where I honestly feel like, God, am I doing this in the way you would have me to serve? But I think that's so neat about when God calls us to serve. We've heard the phrase, many of us in the past, God calls those who are willing to serve. He doesn't call those who are equipped to serve, right? He equips us. He prepares us. Um, he humbles me many times with conversations with Pastor Stephen and Pastor Philip. I have had to apologize to them on numerous occasions when I get too passionate about an issue. Um, and it's just neat to see how God allows us to serve in his kingdom. Um, I recently retired last uh, December from the United States Army. I was in the Kentucky Army National Guard on active duty 33 and a half years And I see that as a place where I was allowed to serve men and women that defend our nation. That's what my job was. I wasn't there because I'm only five, six and a half. I can thank my mother for that. Did not get my father's height. Five, six and a half. Um, I am not going to intimidate anybody on the battlefield, all right? It's not happening, which is why I was in tanks, because they couldn't see me, and I would just blow them up, and they wouldn't know that. See, that was a great thing. Um, I'm a pretty calm guy, although I have had soldiers tell me before that when I get in my military mindset, when I ping, um, I get a little overkill. And they saw it. They're like, don't make, at different ranks, Colonel Bates is what I retired at, um, don't make him mad today. He's in a good mood because I don't want him to ping. And I don't want him, but usually if I, if I got mad at soldiers, it was because they were doing something, almost always, something illegal, something immoral, or something that just wasn't about serving people and they were taking care of themselves. That's usually what bothered me more than anybody else, than anything else. Because I was taught when I was a college student at Olivet Nazarene University where Beth and I met that if I was going to go into the military, I better see it as a mission field. I better see it as a place that I'm willing to serve other people. Because my instructor had gone through uh, Vietnam, and he had seen too many people that weren't about that, unfortunately. Leaders that he had that weren't about serving others. And that's how he admonished us as young college students. If you're going to do this, you better be willing to serve or don't even bother. And that really stuck to me as I graduated. And I had the honor, like I said, to serve all those years. And Beth and I, the best memories we have over those years of serving in the military are the opportunities where not the coolest thing, the greatest opportunities, all the trips that I had to do. Uh, you know, I got to see lots of Afghanistan. It's actually a nice place to visit. Just kick the Taliban out. It's a really beautiful country. It really is. Bosnia, Herzegovina, um, all over Europe, many other places that I got to go. Um, but Beth and I saw that when we were allowed to serve soldiers and their families, those were the most rewarding assignments that we had during our time. Most rewarding. Most rewarding. So with you today, so this is a little new for some of you. You've got on your uh, table in front of you, you've got a little handout that looks like this. So down through it, it's got little places where you can put notes to kind of help you to follow along. Don't worry if I say something and you miss it. You can lean over to your neighbor and go, what did he say? It's okay. (laughs) Or 
A table facilitator can always help you later on to help you to fill in that portion, okay? So don't worry if you miss something. There's pins on the table, and uh, if you need an extra one, there's some at the tables around you. So just follow along as we do that today. So there at the top, the first one talks about that God wants us to see that living out the Great Commission can only occur if we are willing to what? What's the obvious answer? To serve. To serve. I heard somebody say love, and it's not a wrong answer. But we can love all people. We can love people all day long. But if we're not willing to step in their shoes and serve them, then how much do we really love them, right? But it's still right. It's still right. So we've got to be willing to serve one another. Notice it doesn't say to serve ourselves because that's that's our nature. That's the way we are before we come to know Jesus Christ. That's our that's human nature. I mean. We can look in the Bible, go all the way back to Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve, when Adam has the chance to stand up and do the right thing and serve his wife and protect her, what's he do? She made me eat the apple. It's her fault. I mean, right there, God's trying to set that example and going, okay, Adam, let's rewind this. Let's try this again. That's not how I wanted you to serve your helpmate. From the beginning, God is trying to teach us that. So we have to be willing to serve one another. Um, I'll give you an example of a story, and she put it on Facebook so I can share it because it's out there for the world to see it. So earlier this week, Evelyn, who's our financial administrator and administrator and all around get a lot of things done for our pastors and staff, was talking about coming to the Grandparenting Summit. And Xavier, her grandson, she said, yeah, he's going to miss his cross-country race this weekend. And I was standing in the office over there with her, and I said, well, where's he got to go? She told me to Nicholasville, and I said, well, I'm not doing anything Saturday. Beth was working. I knew about all I was going to do on Saturday was cut the grass, cook some chicken wings, probably clean some of the mess in my office that I have right now, and was probably going to get a few things done around the house. And I said, I I think I can do that. I think I can do that. So Xavier and I went to a cross-country race. If you've never watched a bunch of elementary kids running around a race course, I thought middle schoolers were fun and high schoolers. Um, one of our sons, Tyler, our middle son, Tyler, is an adamant runner. So it was fun to go out and watch these younger children, boys and girls, and they were working their way up to middle school in this race. Um, watch them just to develop just the excitement to run. Although sometimes it's not the excitement to run. It's run 10 feet, <sighs> run 10 feet. <sighs> That's the best part. But it doesn't matter. Parents and people are out there cheering them on and yelling them, encouraging them, and then most of them get to the end of the race and they sprint the last 200 yards. And you're like, if you'd have just trotted the whole race, it'd have been okay. But Evelyn asked me to do that, and I went out. We had a great day, and I got to eat Wendy's, and I got to watch these kids uh, do this race and had a great time. Now, if some of you sit here and think, well, Wow, that's great. I'm glad you're telling us how you serve somebody today. The interesting thing is, is that me, really, when Evelyn mentioned that I'm sitting there, what's, what's going through my head at the time? Do I volunteer? Do I not? Do I volunteer? Do I not? No, I got stuff to do. No, I don't want to go. No, but that's okay. Is it important, Xavier? Yes, it is. And God just said, what should you be doing? Yeah, Xavier needs to go to that race. And nothing you're doing this Saturday is that important. It really isn't. You've got time. Take that young man to that race. It's his last one of the season. So God helped push me to know that I needed to serve Evelyn and Xavier. And we had a great time. And I probably had more fun than he did. 
I probably did. It was, it was just a hoot. And I still got home in time to cut the grass, cook some chicken wings on the grill, and watch Michigan beat Michigan State go blue, which is really what the most important thing of the day was. I'm an adamant. I almost wore my Michigan thing, but I thought that would have been just a little bit over the top. So when we look at the Bible in Galatians 5.13, it gives us the example of how we're supposed to serve. And if you'll look at the verses up here on the screen, or you've got it there in front of you, it's going to say in 5.13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but not do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve another humbly in love. Now, me telling you that story a minute ago, some of you are going, well, that wasn't very humble. Well, it wasn't about the humility. It was about how God allowed me and poked me to be used to serve someone other than myself. Because I'd rather actually spent a day doing things that I wanted to do on a Saturday. But God's like, no, there's more of a purpose that I need you to fulfill in serving someone else. And in the end, part of that verse when it talks about to be free... You know the freedom and joy I had yesterday when I got home and Beth's like, so how did it go? I was like, oh, it was a great day. It was the freedom God put in my spirit because he had encouraged me to do something. He reminded me why I needed to do it. I wasn't asked to do it by Evelyn. I volunteered to do it, but God allowed me to have the freedom to serve someone else. I think that's what that verse kind of talks about. Now, that doesn't mean that there's places in our lives where we're not going to want to do things humbly, that we're not going to want to serve people. That's just, I told you earlier, that's part of our nature. But I think that's why this verse says that, that you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. God has called us to freedom. And part of that freedom is putting ourselves aside, our flesh, and allowing God to use us to serve other people as Dottie said, through love. Because if you're going to serve people, you've got to be willing to do it with a loving heart. How many of you remember, if you have children or you've watched uh, when my sister is here visiting today, so we'll just say it was our other sister that was like this, that whenever we would get in fights between my uh, sisters and I, mom or dad would say to us, okay, you need to apologize to your sister. Well, Val and I were always very loving and willing to do that. But our other sister, Vicky, no, she wasn't really like this. She would go, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Now, that was probably me, because I was the one that was a little more stubborn. But we've all watched that in children, right? You're told to ask for forgiveness. So how many times when it talks about serving people that we go, okay, God, I'll go serve them if I really have to, but I really don't want to. Please, can I do something else? Or we try to find some other way not to do it when God is saying, all I'm asking you to do is love people and serve them. That's part of this one another series of why this is so good. Up here, we've talked about that. We've talked about being all in, investing, inviting, involving. I think you have to invest in other people by serving them if you're going to be all in for the love that Christ gave you. You can't do both. If you're not all in and investing in other people, then you're missing it. Not just because of the joy that God will give you out of it, although there's times where it's hard. Yes, we all know serving other people is hard at times, yes. But when we do it with an attitude of love and service and humbly, 
God's blessings are just overwhelming to us. I mean, they're just overwhelming to us. So let's go over to Galatians 5.14. And it says, For the entire law, in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Think about most of the things that we see in the world today that we look at and they make us mad, frustrated, or we're just, ugh. In all of those instances, if the people that are arguing, fighting, would just actually see the other person's side, whether they agree with it or not, my sister Val and I love each other, we don't always agree politically, but we seem to get along because we love each each other more than we love our differences. Because that's how we want people to treat us, right? I mean, we want our neighbors to love us and care for us, but sometimes we have to be very careful not to then not love people the way that we want to be loved. We have to be willing and ready to do that. So on your next thing down on your page, I'm going to have you do this early because I want you to think about this as we go through the rest of my talk and then the time of questions we've got. You've got a blank there that says, serve not to, not to satisfy, satisfy excuse me, our needs, but to serve who? I want you to write the names of three people in there off the top of your head of who would God have you serve this week. I guarantee you someone's going to come to mind. Almost immediately. Somebody that you're probably going to go, don't write their name, don't write their name, don't write their name. Because you're going to feel like you're going to be held accountable to yourself, not to me, but that's somebody that you could serve. Write the names of three people on there of God, who God would have you to serve. I'll give you a second to do that. When I was going through this and preparing for this, the first person that came to my mind on there was a person that was not somebody that I normally feel like serving. It's not. But that was the first person God put on my mind that said, well, that's probably who you probably need to spend more time serving than anybody else, whether you like it or not. It's somebody that I've prayed for for years, Probably 25 years that somebody that I know, that I knew years ago, um, have tried to reach out to a few times about having lunch since I retired from the military with him. Never get much of a response, but yet God put that person's name on my heart of how can you serve him because I'm still seeking him. I've not forgotten about him. I still love him. I still want to change his life. So it's not about what you want to do. It's what about I'm trying to do to change their lives. And as you can see, just thinking about that person, that my eyes get watery because I know that's God's heart is to change their life. I'll tell you, I'll tell you if they ever give me permission, um, their story. It's a rough story, but that's just because God has not given up on them yet. So let's go to the next verse that you have, Galatians 5.16, where it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of our flesh. Of the flesh. So, what do you think are some of the things that lead us to not serving others? Anybody? What do you think is one of the things? This is going to be, a, I'm going to allow you to answer it out loud and I'll repeat it for the people online. But what's something that you think 
will lead, you, lead us that we don't want to serve other people? What's the biggest thing that we always have trouble with? Time? Who said that? Linda. Here, Matt. Go give that to Linda. I think that's the biggest excuse that we make. Look at that. Hey, look at that. Freebies if you answer. Stephen never does that. Stephen's going, well, he's going to see this later, but he's going to be like, where did Fred get the Time. We all have more time than we think we do. We know we do. It's just what are we doing with the time? Every one of us has the same number of hours, minutes, seconds, days, and a week. Unless we die, and then you're not responsible for everything after that point anyway. But we all have the same amount of time every week. It's just how we choose to use it. So when it talks about the flesh, let's go over to 19 through 21. There's some pretty rough words that are in here in 19 through 21. And it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the, thing, the kingdom of God. Now you're thinking here, wait a minute, serving people, the flesh... How do those tie to that? I think the way that those tie to what we're talking about is every one of those is something that's self-serving. And we all, in our own lives, could find ways. I could add one for me, procrastination. My wife will tell you I'm the biggest procrastinator in the world if I want to be. Because then that helps me with my excuse of I don't have enough time because I'm procrastinating to get done the things that I should do which then takes away, when I finally get around to it, the time that I should be spending to be available to maybe serve in other things. So that list that was up there in those scriptures, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, they're, just, they're some of the things, but you can add to that list. And I'm not saying that we're not all busy, that we all don't have things and jobs and works and requirements. No one is saying that God expects you to take every living second and not take a break. I mean, that's why it's so great that our pastor is this week with a group of pastors being refreshed, being encouraged, being lifted up because as our lead pastor, he needs that. He needs that. He could be here working all week long, working in his other job, loving on Delisa, cutting, what does he need to do? Cut the, Delisa, cut the grass, doing some jobs around the house, doing some things over at his mom's house. But he needed that break. So don't get me wrong and think that we're not supposed to have a break. But I think when we let the things of our flesh be the most important, it helps us to make excuses for why we can't serve. I'm guilty. I'll be first. <laughs> I'll be first. Sometimes my wife and I have a year and a half, almost two-year-old dog who brings her ball to me. She has one of many orange and blue balls. She will bring it to me and stick it in my face and look at me, which is these wonderful little puppy dog eyes. And there are times where if it's raining outside, well, yeah, I'm not going to take her out and throw the ball because Beth and I did that once. And it required a massive bath after that to get all the mud off of her before we brought her back in the house because she just rolled in it. She was having a great time. But 
She does that to remind me, hey, I need you to spend time with me and do stuff. Sometimes I feel like doing it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I get real creative and I throw the ball in our living room and we have wood floors and watch her just go slide across the floor and get the ball. But she still brings it back. So we all have things in our lives that we could see that that could be tied to the flesh, right? I mean, we do. We're human. But the great thing is, in the scripture that comes after this, is that God gives us the ability to not be tied to those things and allow those things to rule over our lives. And if we allow God to work through us, change us, first by accepting His Son, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and allowing Him to work to change our lives, then as Paul said, the old nature, the old self, it's crucified on the cross with Christ. So we're not slave to that anymore. We're not slave to that sin. And we are free, as the first verse said, we are free then to serve. We are free to love. We are free to be patient. We are free. You can go through all the gifts of the Spirit. Let's go to that next verse that we have. In Galatians 5, through 26, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What's the next one? Patience. We've got kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's what Paul was talking about. We've crucified the flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Those boxes to fill in for you if you didn't get them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, because I went through them fast, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So God made us as relational people. We're relational. Even people that tell you, well, I like to be all by myself and I don't like other people, there's a point in everyone that we all need relationships. We need other people. We need to be part of other people's lives, and we need them to be part of our lives. So when we talked about, about the spirit of these things, each one of these things that I talked about, that joy, love, peace, forbearance, those are the opposite of what we saw, the things of the flesh. Those are things where we have to give to other people. You usually get joy from doing most things when someone else makes you laugh, cry, you're doing something together, you're being a part of their lives, right? That's where we get most of our joy, peace, Yeah, there's times where we need personal peace, but we also want peace in the world, our family, those around us. When you have little ones running around the house, I can think when our three boys are running in the house, Beth and I both forgot our three sons' names, and it was just boys. Didn't matter which one of them was wrong. It was just boys. In our house, it was always Vicky. Stop doing that. Well, no. It was probably, my sister's back there nodding. It's actually probably was usually me. I'm the oldest, so I was the instigator. I had to. I had two sisters. Somebody had to be the instigator. 
God wants, wants us to have that relationship with other people. And to do that, we have to allow Christ to crucify the flesh, the things that we use, those things that, that list that we went through, and then allow the fruit of the Spirit, these things to then go through and allow those things to be used to change other people's lives. Now, I know at times in these examples, we're going to have things that say, well, it's hard to do that, and it's just difficult to do it. It is. It is. It's not always going to be convenient. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be, there's never going to be uh, the point where you can find the time to do whatever you want. But let's say if we all just served one person more a week, or in one way more than we served maybe the last two, three years. Think of the difference that we could make. Think about when you're, there's an organization that I follow that's called, I think it's Four Ocean or Five Ocean, and it's a nonprofit organization, and I follow them on my social media. And this young man got the idea that he could do something about trash and garbage in the world. And people said, well, you know, this is a bad idea. You're not going to be able to make a difference. You're not going to be able to change anything. And it's taken them years and technology, but they have developed giant specialized nets that go through the ocean on boats that are paid for and literally go through the garbage, plastic. There's areas in the ocean where it tends to congregate the most. And they go through that and they harvest. And they harvest tons and tons and thousands and hundreds of thousands of tons. And some people would say, well, you're not making a difference. Well, they're making a little difference in one area. They go into parts of the country, uh, other countries where... I've been in Honduras where there is not much of a trash collection. The trash goes wherever somebody tosses it. That's trash collection in a lot of areas. Not all, but in a lot of areas. And they go into these places and they'll put, build with locals and build barricades that catch the garbage as it comes down the rivers before it gets to the ocean. And they'll work with local municipalities and groups and pull all that out. And they're making a difference just a little bit. How much more if we're able to, willing to serve just a little bit more? And it doesn't necessarily have to be with inside of the walls of this church. I would say it's more important, more important that God is showing where you should be serving outside of the walls of this church. Because that's where you're going to impact the world the most. Well, for time's sake, let me kind of hurry through this last part. Let me give you some examples of that. Um, Acts 1.8. And then I want to make sure we got plenty of time for you all to talk around your tables. I think Jesus gives us the best example. Um, I'll give Beth credit for this. She showed this to me, and we were talking through about this this week. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, um, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you're thinking, well, that doesn't say a thing about service. But if you go back and look at Jesus in some of the three examples that I think tie directly to these verses, Jesus mirrored the idea of seeking out and sharing the love and serving people in Jerusalem with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, member of the Jewish ruling council of Sanhedrin. But Jesus made time for him, knowing that he was a Pharisee, and someone that most likely was out to get him, at least that group of people, and met with him at night and talked to him and shared about what it meant to be born again. You can find that in John uh, 3, 1 through 21. 
John 3, 1 through 21 tells that story. But the neatest thing in that Jerusalem where Jesus is serving him, out of those verses, I didn't notice it. I don't know why I never noticed it, but in the way my Bible separates it, that's where the verses for John 3.16 and 3.17 come from, which most of us know we were taught young, and even if you weren't a believer, weren't around um, church, you heard those verses, for God so loved the world, that he what? Gave his one only begotten son, right? We've heard that. Those verses come from there. So that's an example of Jesus showing how he was serving someone in Jerusalem. Then in Judea and Samaria, and that comes from John 4, 1 through 42, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus made it a point to reveal himself as the Messiah to a woman, which in that culture would have not been normal, and to a Samaritan woman, and a woman that had a pretty sketchy past, which is no different than all of us. Our pasts are all sketchy. We're all no different. And he, she believes what he says and doesn't keep it to her health, to herself. She goes and serves the people around her in her village who don't like her, who won't even come to the well with her. She has to come in the middle of the day and tells them about the man that told me everything I've ever done. The last one is um, to the ends of the earth. And I use the centurion, the Gentile, someone who was outside of Jesus' people group, who he normally wouldn't have associated with because he was a Roman soldier. And that's in Luke 7, 1 through 10. And it talks about how the centurion asked Jesus to come to heal a servant. He didn't ask him to come and heal a family member. He asked Jesus to heal one of his servants. And then when Jesus got close, he said, hey, you can't even come to my house. I know, just say it and it will be done. So when we look into these things about how Jesus uh, is serving others, we also need to be prepared for the fact that it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be simple. But it also may not be as far away as you think. It might be your neighbor next door. It could be in another state. It could be around the world. I've had the opportunity to get travel to lots of nations, and right now I get the opportunity to spend a lot of time in and out of Honduras with Justin and Ashley Ross with Sparrow Missions. But God's probably going to make it available for me to do some traveling in Thailand and Peru and then wherever else Justin and Sparrow Missions gets the opportunity that we feel God leading us in the future to plant churches and disciple people. But that's great. It's an opportunity to serve. So are you ready to serve wherever God asks you? I'm not asking you to answer to me. It might be something you might want to think about that this week. God, if you ask me to serve this person, that person, this place, am I willing to serve there? Because I'll tell you that most of the time that you'll see that when we have to serve people, you're going to be inconvenienced. It's going to cost you time, talent, and treasure to serve other people. And I'll probably tell you the place that um, I, as the congregational, get pulled the most to serve is not, if you ask me to give my talent to tell you leadership garbage, I can do that all day long because I did that for years in the military. I can do that. I do that in my business. I do consulting. I help organizations. I can do that all day long, and that doesn't faze me. My treasure, it's God's anyway. I was raised that way. It's not mine. Thank you, God, that I don't ever think that, that it is. 
And my wife wasn't raised to think that it's our treasure anyway. It's all God's. The way that I get stressed the most is time. But that's usually where God pushes me the most to serve is time. Because he knows that's where I get stretched the most. That's where I get blessed the most. That's where I learn the most. I learned that Xavier is, does not like porta potties. <laughs> that they freak him out. He was like, What in the world? That's disgusting. And I'm like, Okay. I learned something new. But I got some joy out of it. So as we get ready to break up into our groups, I want you to think about who would God have you serve in your work, community, with friends, people at church, people that don't go to church, that person that sits next to you at work, school, somewhere else, that I just don't really click with them. Yeah, that might be who God's calling you to serve. And they may not even know it. But you may be able to serve them in ways you never even thought. And then it's up to God about what happens after that. You just serve them and love them the way God wants you to, and he'll, he'll work through whether they ever get it or not. It's his responsibility to change their heart, not yours. And I pray that God would show you this week who you're supposed to serve, specifically those three things that I had you, those three names that I had you write down. Think about and pray this week, God, it's one thing for to put their names down, but okay, God, how do you want me to specifically, tangibly, with my time, talent, and treasure, serve that person? And if all you can do because of health or time is spend time praying for that person this week, that's a start. That's a start. I find that God people God, that people, excuse me, God puts on my heart are the people that he has me pray for the most. Okay, so at this time we're going to go ahead and we're going to shut down our live feed. We thank you for being with us this week. Um, and we thank you for being here at Living Waters.